identity theft. Who are you? Identity theft. Your spiritual identification is stronger than your physical identification. I know the whole world concentrates on the physical. And, you know, I know I'm, I'm doing my best to get in shape and all of this. And I understand that. But, but your spiritual identification is far greater than that. So don't think that everything about your life is wrapped up in the physical because if you do, you're always going to come up short. You're always, I don't care how great you look and how much you're in shape. You're, you're not going to have the victory that you want in life as long as you do not know who you are in the spiritual realm. Okay, good. All right. Somebody said amen. We can walk on now. All right. To walk out what God has given us and made us, our identity. And, and let me just say this. It's not working harder. It's not, oh, I just need to do this. And I need to read my Bible uh, for an hour a day, for an hour and a half today. I need to pray for 30 minutes. I just got to, no. If that's what you think growth, don't get me wrong. I read and I pray. Don't get me wrong. But that's not what my identity is wrapped around. Not what I do. My identity is wrapped around who Jesus is. Amen? So um, I just know that it just seems like when bad things happen to us. Uh, th does anything bad ever happen to you? <laughs> just checking. I'm making sure I'm talking to the right crowd. But if anything bad is happening to us in circumstances, the more that you know who you are and you look on the inside the easier it will be to go through that circumstance. It will. It will. John chapter 16, verse 13. We need God's help in doing this. You need the help of the Holy Spirit. John 16, 13 says this, but when the truth-giving spirit comes, he's talking about the Holy Ghost, he will unveil the reality of every truth within you. Now listen to me. Did you hear what that said? It would unveil the truth that is not up in heaven, not even in, on the pulpit or anything like that. It said that the Spirit of God would unveil the reality of every truth. Where? Within you. Every truth that you need is inside of you. I don't know. I just think that's... That's nice to know. It's not like far away. It's right here. But it takes the Holy Ghost, it takes the Holy Spirit to unveil that truth that is in you. It's not a logic thing. It's a, a thing that's done by revelation by the Spirit of God. He, you know, we're seeking for something like healing. The Lord is continually increasing my revelation about healing, about prosperity, about uh, the things of God. I'll give you a little nugget I just got not too long ago. I was on a treadmill doing my thing, minding my own business, and I was meditating upon Deuteronomy. Let me see it again. <laughs> minding my own business, but I was meditating Deuteronomy 18. He, whatever you set your hand to shall surely, whatever you set your hand to. So I was just thinking of that and thinking of that. I go, man, that's an awesome promise, God. And I just felt like the Spirit of God said, that's old covenant. 
He says, don't get me wrong, that you need to put your hands something. But he says, I'm going to show you something. And I just had this little mini vision. I had this little mini vision of me on my knees like this, you know, and just being, just sitting there. And I was meditating on Deuteronomy 8, 8, 10, 8, 18. And Jesus came up and he put his hand on my forehead. And he said this, whatever I set my hand to, surely prospers. I was a lot more excited than everybody in here, obviously, because I didn't just go, hmm. I went, wow, man. How many believe that whatever God sets his hand to will surely prosper? And God says, Mike, I'm setting my hand to you. And the thing is, he doesn't just do that to pastors or good-looking redheaded people. Yeah, now you laugh. He doesn't just do He does that to every child of his. Come on now. I said every single child, God says, whatever I set my hand to prospers. You need to believe that. You need to believe that. So I am just one prospering kid of God. Just pr- everywhere I go, I just, I ooze prosperity. I ooze favor. I have favor when I go to the store. I have favor when I get in line. I just, I got favor. It smells like favor. <laughs> Whatever I smell like, that's favor. But it's truth. It's truth that was in me the whole, I had that inside of me the whole time. I had that revelation inside of me the whole time. But by me just meditating upon God and how good he is and meditating upon the word, he says, I'm going to show you something. I've never seen that before in my whole entire life. Never heard of that before, but I got excited, and now I'm meditating on that. I'm thinking about that when I go to bed at night, and I'm thinking, God's hand's right here, and whatever he sets his hand to prospers. That's good stuff. God, you know why that needs to be said and what it needs to become a reality in you? The goodness of God needs to become a reality in you because it's God's intent to show the world how good he is through you and me. How is God going to show how good he is to the world? How is that going to happen? Well, let me tell you this. It's not going to happen by the church saying to people, you're a sinner and you're going to hell and you and just telling all these terrible things. That's how we used to, to uh, witness to people, you know. We were good at it too. You are a sinner. You're bound for hell. Where are you going to go when you die? That just makes people want to come over to your house and have coffee, huh? <laughs> Sarcasm 101. But anyway, my point is this. No, we need to tell people how good God is. We need to tell people, you know what? You are 100% forgiven and loved and accepted by God right now, right now, 100%. You don't have to get good enough to get God to accept you. You're accepted right now, brother. They're going to go, no, you don't know what I've done. No, you don't know what he's done. That's where the problem is. It's not what you've done. It's what you don't have a clue what he's done. And when you have a clue what he's done, then you find out, wow, I'm accepted and I'm loved. Yeah, I told you. But you weren't loved and accepted because you got good enough. You were loved and accepted 
when you didn't even know him. I'm telling you. I used to think this. You know, years ago, and I know some of you were going to our church when this, I was really, I mean, overwhelmed by the blood moons and end times. And man, I was studying for hours. I'd wake up sometimes 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning and study that stuff. I was ate up with it. And, uh, and it promoted fear. <laughs> it did. It promoted fear like, you know, the, Lord, the wrath of God is going to come down and a blood moon means wrath and all this. And now I look back and I think, Jesus, help us all. <laughs> and the Lord says, anytime you're promoting fear, you're not promoting what I want. That's not the gospel. God's not in the promotion business of fear because love casts out fear. The love of God will literally take fear out of the picture. So if your end time scenario is based upon fear, it ain't God. Yeah. It's okay. You don't have to disagree. I mean, you don't have to. Yeah, you don't have to disagree with me. You can... Man, I like that. I'm going to remember that. Hey, you don't have to disagree with me. You can agree with me. But anyway, but uh, <laughs> I know this, and it's because of this, because we had an escape clause to get to heaven. Really, uh, he- heaven to me a few years ago was I wanted to go there because life down here really sucked. You know what I mean? <laughs> ha- have you been there where it just seemed like this is... This may not be hell, but it's not much better. And so you think, I want to go to heaven to get out of this mess. And the Lord says, it's because you don't know who you are, Mike. Because if you and I, listen to me, knew who we truly were, we wouldn't be dying to get to heaven. Because we would understand that heaven has already invaded us. We just don't know that. So I was thinking about heaven. You know, I was thinking about the Garden of Eden. You know, people would say, man, I wish I could have walked with God like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. I just, how about this for a thought? Are you ready to get just, since we're just shaking the boat anyway, how about we shake this one? I believe that we have it better off than Adam and Eve. I'm just looking at all of of the faces. This is just my opinion, and I'm going to tell you why. God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. In other words, Adam had to wait on God, and and God would show up, and they would walk together in the cool of the day. How many understand that? Today, God walks together. In me. I don't wait for him to show up. He doesn't walk with me side by side. He walks in me. So where Mike goes, God goes. There's nowhere I can go without him. Nothing can separate him. No matter how I act or how rude I get or how FedEx I drive. If you don't know that term, don't follow me. But anyway, doesn't matter how I respond, 
God is never going to leave me nor forsake me ever, ever, ever. We are one. I don't know about you, but that sounds a lot better than Adam walking with God in the cool of the day. Just a thought. My point is this. I believe God is bringing a revelation to the body of Christ, which means us. He's bringing a revelation of who we are in Christ, that we are not just going to be thinking about heaven. Listen to me. Heaven came down in the form of a man, Jesus Christ. And wherever Jesus went, he possessed healing. He, when he had a need, he had to pay his taxes. He told Peter, I want you to go fishing. He had every need met while he was on this planet. 5,000 people out in the middle of nowhere where there's no Walmart or King Supers or Safeway or nothing. He says, we got to feed these people. You know, Lord, everything's closed and we're far away from every supermarket. He says, what do you got? Just a little boy's lunch. He breaks it, blesses it, and feeds over 5,000 people. What does that mean? That means... You don't have to wait to get to heaven to experience heaven. You can experience heaven right here, right now, today. If you know what's on the inside. And we're not talking about Cracker Jacks. There's more than a prize. There's more than a prize. So I'm just telling you, I just felt like people got saved. I'm going to shake your boat a little bit more. People would get saved. I remember when I was seven years old, I got saved at Blue Lick Elementary School. Our Baptist church was meeting in school. And uh, I don't remember going to church before that. I know what my mom did take me to church, but I don't remember going to church. I do remember that day because in Blue Lick Elementary, I was sitting, you know, in the cafeteria. The preacher was preaching about hell. And if you don't do what I say, you're going to burn forever. Have you ever been burned? Yes, I've been burned. Your whole body will be burned burning forever and ever and ever. Now, if you don't want to burn forever and ever and ever, you need to give your life to Jesus today. As soon as he gave the invitation, I'm the first one. Me and fire don't get along. So I remember I got saved based upon, listen to me, to escape hell. I didn't get saved to something. I got saved from something. And what God wants you and I to know is it's not about getting saved from something to take you to heaven. Salvation is much more than that. You go much more than going to heaven? Yeah. If salvation was just about getting to heaven, why didn't as soon as you get saved, give your life to Jesus, God didn't go beam you up? I was better in Star Trek, let me tell you. Star Trek ain't got nothing on me. I mean, why didn't God do that? If it was all about getting saved, going to heaven, that would be it, would it not? But no, he didn't do that. He left us here. And you think, I know. John chapter 17 verse 3 says this. It says eternal life because I always thought eternal life was about going to heaven. Did you believe that? Eternal life. Well, that's when we go to heaven. No, it says, and this is eternal life. It means to know, to perceive, to recognize, become acquainted with, and understand 
you the only true and real God. That is eternal life, is knowing him, period. You don't wait till you get to heaven for that to happen. Eternal life does not begin when you go to heaven. Eternal life begins the day you start knowing Christ. That's eternal life. Why is that so important? The more that you know him, the more that you'll know you. You know Jesus was on display to mankind, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, for 33 years. He was on display. And the main reason he was on display is for not us just to see what God is like. That was the number one reason. (laughs) But it was also to show you and me what we are like. First service responded just that way. (laughs) Yeah, to show us what you look like. God wants you to know what you look like. And so we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we see Jesus. We should see us. Some of you think, honey, I don't know. Is this real close to blasphemy? I'm not for sure. It's just real close. I'm going to prove it to you. We'll let the word do the talking. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. Let me least say this. The more that you know who you are in Christ, the more you'll just want to, you know, have that thought and feeling like, I just want to leave this world. I want the rapture to come. I want to go to heaven. I'm just done with this. No, the more you know who you are, the sweeter life will be right here in the ugly by and by. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. If you reverse Christ with Adam, you get this. In Adam, we shared his history. In Adam, we shared his inheritance. We shared his future, his condition. We shared all of that. But likewise, in Christ, we share his history. We share his inheritance, and we share his future, and we share his condition. We are one in him. This mirror translation, the mirror Bible, listen to this in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Now, in the light of your co-inclusion is his death and resurrection. Whoever you thought you were before, in Christ, you are a brand new person. The old ways of seeing yourself and everyone else are over. The old ways of seeing yourself and everyone else. So God is saying this thing is so real that you will even start seeing people differently. You start seeing people differently. And man, if there's ever a time on our planet that we need to see this, I mean, because everybody's critical of everybody. I mean, if you say anything, somebody's going to rise up and be, say something critical about what you said. You know, the sky was really blue today. Oh, can you believe they said that? It's ridiculous. It's because people are blinded of who they are. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 says, God has united you with Christ Jesus. Who did he unite you with? 
He has united you with Christ Jesus. And why did he do that? For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy. He freed us from sin. You say, if we're freed from sin, then why do I still sin? Because sin has no more power over your life, number one. Sin cannot separate you from God. That should be number one. Sin can no longer separate you from God. Sin can no longer keep you from the promises of God. Sin can no longer keep you from the healing, from the promises, from anything that God has provided. Sin can no longer keep that from you. Does, is that good news to you? Because, I mean, let me just make sure I'm talking to the same group. Do, 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 do you, I still sin. Do you still sin? This will be a little bit transparent. You go, Pastor. <gasps> yeah. But even in the midst of my sin, it has no power over me. It has no power over me. Why? Because he can't keep me from anything that God has made me. Wow. The Passion Translation of 130 says this. For it is not from man that we draw our life. But from God, as we are being joined to Jesus, the anointed one, and now he is our God-given wisdom, our virtue, our holiness, and our redemption. Graham Cook, I've read a few things of his, and this is a good quote of his. He says, favor is the combination of your identity, your inheritance, your promises, and your destination or destiny all coming together in one place. That's the favor of God. Identity is who you are in God regardless of the circumstances. It doesn't matter what is against you or who is against you. What matters is who is for you. And I'm telling you, God is 110% for you every minute of every second of your life. He is for you. That's good news. That is such good news. Now, when I said that when you see Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see yourself, are you ready? It's not my opinion. Are you ready for this? Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. For in him, talking about Jesus, in him, the whole fullness of deity, the Godhead, continues to dwell in bodily form, giving complete expression of the divine nature. Okay, are you hearing this now? He's saying in Jesus is the whole Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And everything with the divine nature is in Jesus. Would everybody, does everybody see and understand that? Okay, everything's in Jesus, right? Verse 10. And you are in him. Oh, come on now. He said everything is in Jesus. And then he turns around and he said... In Jesus, I've taken you and I've placed you inside of him. So therefore, everything of the Godhead, of the divine nature, you've got it. Ow! Come on now. People go, I'm just not nothing. I just can't do this. And I just think, you know, I'm just poor everything. You haven't seen yourself lately. Because if you saw yourself, you would see yourself as in Christ, which means you will see the whole divinity, everything that God is, is inside of you, and you're one with it. Wow. You got to renew your, your brain will say, no, 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 no. 
As a man thinketh, so is he. But if you start thinking like this, if you think the whole fullness of God dwells in Jesus, and I am in him, verse 10 says, and you are in him, made full, and having come to fullness of life. You are not going to be any more in Christ in heaven than you are right now today in Pueblo, Colorado or wherever you're watching. You're not. You're not going to get more of him when you get to heaven. We got to see ourselves, ladies and gentlemen. We have to see ourselves in him. When you see Jesus walking in Matthew, you go, that's me. When he laid hands on the sick, that's me. When he raised Lazarus from the dead, that was me. Paul said it this way in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. Paul wasn't there. He wasn't not even at the cross. But he says, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet it's not I that liveth. It is Christ in me. It is Christ in me. So what are you saying? I'm not alive anymore. And my life has nothing to do with Mike Davis. It has everything to do with Jesus Christ. Has nothing to do about Mike messing up, sinning, or anything that Mike does. Right now, it's all about him. And the more I renew my mind to that, the more you'll see Christ manifesting himself through my life because I believe it's him working in me. Wherever I go, it's Jesus walking with me. I can go anywhere and it's him. You can't separate him from me. You can't do anything. I can't do anything without him. He says, I have the fullness, come to fullness of life. In Christ, you too are filled with the Godhead. It's uh, Colossians 2.10. Pull that up. Colossians 2.10. It says, And you are in him made full and having come to the fullness of life. In Christ, you too are filled with the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You are filled with the Godhead. You're wall-to-wall God on the inside of you. And you reach full spiritual stature. And he is the head of all rule and authority of every angelic and principality and power. If it says, and he is head of all rule, authority, and angelic power, guess who else is head over all rule, angelic power, and everything that is named? You! Because he's in you. That's why I say you get a revelation of this, You some kind of sickness come up on you, you go, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? I don't resist things in the power of Mike Davis. I resist things in the things of the power of Almighty God himself. You think God's powerful enough to resist something? Do you think God's powerful enough to to say to sickness and it's going to hang around? Honey, death can't even hang around him. Listen to me. He says in verse 11, In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision not made with hands, but in spiritual circumcision, performed by... Christ by stripping off the body of the flesh the whole corrupt carnal nature and its passions and its lusts thus you were circumcised when you were buried with him in your baptism in which you were also raised with him to a new life through your faith in the working of God as displayed when he raised him up from the dead so in other words when Jesus was raised you were raised Jesus was seated at the right hand of God you were seated Today, 
God sees you seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why? Because you're one. There's no separation. Verse 13, and you were, were, past tense, dead in trespasses in the uncircumcision of your flesh, your sensuality, your sinful carnal nature. God brought to life together with Christ, having freely forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled and blotted out, wiped away all the handwriting of the note bond with its legal decrees and demands, which was enforced, stood against us, hostile to us. This note with its regulations, decrees, and demands, he set aside, cleared completely out of the way by nailing it to the cross. The purpose of salvation is not so we can escape hell. The purpose of salvation is not to get us to heaven. The purpose of salvation is for God's divine nature to be expressed inside you and me. It's to express his life through our life. God in you. That is the purpose of salvation. I used to think, man, as a pastor, man, we need to get people saved so we can get people to heaven. No, we need to get people turned on to God so they know that the divine nature of God is in them right now today. It won't be any more in you in heaven than it is right now. If you and I understand that, I'm telling you, life will be sweeter. You'll have more victory in your life. It's a, it's a journey. Are we all there? No. But I know one thing. I'm learning what's inside of me. And it's not Mike Davis. I'm learning that it's God. His divine nature is inside of me. Therefore, I can... You, sickness is not that big a deal. Having a lack or a need come up, you go, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? do can, you, can you just picture Jesus? Okay, I didn't know about paying taxes. You know, we don't pay taxes in heaven. I, this kind of caught me off guard, Peter. I just don't know. He didn't do that. Jesus didn't have this thought. What do I need to do, Father, to make sure you meet my needs? Jesus never had a thought. What do I need to do? There's something I need to do, Father. What do I need to do to make sure that you're going to meet my needs? Do you think Jesus ever had a thought like that? Then why are you having thoughts like that? Why are you having thoughts like that? Father, what do I need to do to receive my healing? What do I need to do to, to get my life in order? Do, I mean, what? I, I, I feel like I. this is what you need to do. Believe in the goodness of God. And he'll show you. But it won't be you doing it. It'll be Christ in me, the hope of glory, living it through you. We have to start meditating, thinking about who we are. I tell you what, healing has been easier for me in these last nine months than it's ever been in all of my almost 60 years. And it's nothing to do with me and my faith. It's nothing to do with me and, and how good I am. I've taken Mike out of the picture. And when I took him out of the picture, man, I, you talk about receiving healing. It's an easy thing. Why? Because it's Jesus. Getting my needs met, I'm more prosperous today than I've ever been in my life. I have every need met and then some. And it's not because I got to raise it to church. No offense, but it's not. 
It's what I've invested in and what he's, my net worth in four and a half years has went up 228%. I've gotten a $62 raise in the last five years from the church as a pastor. $62 a week. That will not increase your net worth 228%. I don't care how good you are in math. What are you saying? I did not base my prosperity upon my salary from this church. When I first started off, I got $100 a week. My board said, you can get more than that from unemployment, Mike. I'm not going to have anybody from our church say that the church made me prosper. (laughs) I had nothing against you. No, it's going to be my God. I said, it's going to be my God that causes me to prosper. That's going to be my testimony. 228%. I was talking to my accountant. I was trying to figure it up. I was actually at Karis uh, teaching at the Bible school. And uh, they got a blizzard up there, so they canceled school. So I'm up there at the lodge. It's a real super nice place on campus. But I was there all day stuck. I couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't see 100 yards. So I was there. And so I was figuring up, just for fun, my net worth. And I figured it up, and I go, wow, I've increased 128% in four years. So I was texting my accountant. I said, did I do this right? Because I think this must be wrong, 128%, because, I mean, wow. And he goes, yeah, Mike, you did, you did it wrong. I went, oh, bum. He said, it's 228%. You know, me being the pastor that I am, I says, no, you figured that wrong, man. He's the accountant. I'm the pastor. I go, no, you figured that wrong. It's, I think it's 100. You mean 128. He goes, Mike, this is the formula. These are the figures. If you do the math, it's 228%. I'm good at math. So I figured out it's 228%. Man, I put that phone down. I walked around. I went, holy cow. That, I mean, I said, God, I don't know if you know this or not, but that, that was you. <laughs> What am I saying? Christ in me, the hope of glory. When you start putting him first and focusing on him, your prosperity level will go up. Your healing level will go up. Everything in your life will go up because you realize it's not about me. It's about him. It's easy to receive healing. It's easy to walk in the abundance. It's easy to walk in the promises of God. Paul understood that. That's why he said they are yes and amen or so be it. Everything is that way in the kingdom. We've made it difficult. Religion has made it difficult. God has always made it easy. But the devil has accommodated religion and said, you need to work harder. You're almost there. If you would just stop this one little sin and you stop that, well, you've got 200 others that you need to work on. And when you work on those 200, then come and see me and we'll see if we can't get these promises working for you. We'll get these promises working for you if we get all this sin taken care of. You ain't ever going to get them, hon. And so guess what? You'll think that the promises aren't for you. Oh, my. I'm seven minutes past. Let's stand. Every once in a while, I'm supposed to look at the screen. But this is the point. I'm telling you, not only will your life be better, you'll see more fruit, you'll be more patient, you'll be a better husband, you'll be a better wife, you'll be a better employee. You'll be just better at life. But it won't be because of you, it's because, man, I just found out it's Jesus inside of me. Let's just start meditating on that. When you start reading Romans and start reading, this is what you should do. Start reading it, Romans. Go through 1st, 2nd Corinthians 
Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians. Go through the, all of those letters of Paul, and every time it says, in Christ, in him, through Christ, or through him, underline it and say, that's me. I can do all things through I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. You start getting a hold of this to find out who you truly are. It just turns your world upside down, and life does get easier. Receiving what God has already provided for you, whether it's healing or prosperity, anything to do with God, it starts getting easier. I mean, I've worked hard on this because I want me and my family and my church, I want us to walk in healing and health. And so I preach, you know, come on, church, we need to do this. And we have to get faith and we have to do all this. And I look back at that and I go, that was good. And that was so hard and nobody could do it, including me. And then God says, Mike, you want to rest? Why don't you just rest and set this one out? Just rest. I go, what do you mean, God? Just rest and look to me and see what I did for you. You can't work for this healing, Mike. You can't work for this prosperity. You know, the world works for prosperity, and the Bible says, and adds much sorrow to it. God's prosperity, there's no sorrow to his prosperity. It's not blood, sweat, and toils and working, and you die when you're 58 because you work 20 hours a day. But you're rich, and you die broke my point is this just rest in God focus on him your prosperity will go up more when you're looking at him your healing will go up when you look more at him find out what he is and you'll find out that's what you are